0: Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am here with Tina Quigley, who needs no introduction, but for the sake of this conversation and some background and some context, we'll give you the introduction. Here it goes. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. So you're currently the president and CEO of LVGEA, which is the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance. Well
1: done. You didn't even look at your notes for that. It is a lot of letters. But yes, basically, the agency that's responsible for regional economic development.
0: Yep. And I'm going to... Ask you a lot about that. So you joined that. You became the president and CEO in February of 2022. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, you were CEO for the RTC, another acronym, Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada. Mm -hmm. You did that for 14 years. Mm -hmm. You've got some highlights there in your bio. I'm going to read them. So you oversaw the region's public transportation, traffic management center, road construction and funding and regional planning. Is that four separate things? Yeah, is, or it's like,
1: four <laughs> separate things. So I think a lot of times people think of the RTC as just being public transit, just being the buses, but it's actually much more than that. It is the regional traffic management center. So all the, the, the traffic uh, lights, signals, et cetera, are, are all housed in one kind of centralized location. Um, it's a, the metropolitan planning organization. So working with the feds on distributing federal money for regional planning projects, um, Lots of stuff on that. And Nevada,
0: when we Nevada. say region, we're talking about Southern Clark Nevada, County, yeah. Clark County. Yeah, okay. we call
1: it so many things Southern Nevada, Clark County, and now in that I'm in economic development, we are calling it the Greater Las Vegas Area.
0: Is this is the new thing coming this in? This is
1: the new thing coming in, right? Because Las Vegas is a brand. Uh huh. Um, and but we are more than just the city of Las Vegas, we are the greater Las Vegas area, much like Phoenix. Phoenix is a city, but the region is the greater oh, Phoenix area. Growing
0: up area. like Phoenix. Yeah, okay. yeah. So in that your bio says some things that I want to point out. Okay. It says you it talks about you fighting for technological advances, advocating for comprehensive future planning mm-hmm. and building critical partnerships. There are three verbs in there that we'll circle back okay. to: fighting, <laughs> advocating, and building. Yeah, yeah. So before that, you had another interesting job. You were a planner at the Harry Reid International Airport, yes, McCarran we, back then. We
1: called it McCarran back then. Yep. Yeah.
0: And you did that for about fifteen years.
1: I did. I was in in planning, construction, engineering. Um, my the project I was most proud of was the D gates. The, 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 D the D gates. The D gates, yeah. Where my you built those project? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, you know, have a hammer and stuff, but I did did go out there quite a bit. It was fun.
0: So you did that for fifteen years. So fourteen years at uh, at um, RTC. RTC. Fifteen years there. Yeah. So you're just rounding out one year of your next fifteen at the LVGA. <laughs> I do. There's like a the pattern LVGA. here, right? I <laughs> uh, wanted to ask you about Jacob Snow. Okay. Back at yeah. He, you first.
1: I worked for him, yeah.
0: At at McCarran. Oh, look
1: at you digging deep, yeah. So, um, yeah, Jacob Snow. I was an intern at the at at the airport, and Jacob Snow was my boss. And actually, I ended up working for him the pretty much the entire time I was at 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 McCarran Airport, and I really liked his style of management in that he. Um, gave a lot of deference. He would give you very clear direction, but they'd give you deference as to how you execute it. So the opposite of micromanaging. And for me, that worked really well. And I, I ended up growing quite a bit under his leadership.
0: And then did he bring you to RTC? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. So he went and became the, the leader of RTC and um, later asked if I'd be interested in being his deputy. And I was very interested, again, because I liked his leadership style. And I also believed very much in the mission of the RTC Um, As he was talking to me about it, he he really talked about trying to create a community that people wanted to move to um, and doing that through certain strategic infrastructure investments. And that very much attracted me.
0: Very cool. All right. So if that wasn't enough, (laughs) you are a pilot. You have a Bachelor's degree from Emory-Riddle Aeronautic University.
1: Yes. Well done. Yes. Yeah. And airport. Who does this? I I was going to be a, <laughs> a pilot, but I ended up switching <laughs> degrees and I, I got a degree in airport planning and development and I actually did go into airport planning and development.
0: Why a pilot? Where'd that come from?
1: Uh, okay. You ready for this? Yeah. Oh my gosh. For all these reasons. I, of course, wanted to travel. I... Didn't want a desk job. <laughs> the irony, be of course, being I spent the next 30 years having a desk job type of desk job. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to work a nine to five type type job. There was just a lot of things that really attracted me to it. Um, I was also attracted to it because I thought it was going to be it would be challenging. And I liked that.
0: Who's a pilot like in your in your orbit when you decided to become a pilot? Uh, I mean, you had to have been in high school to have yeah, selected an aeronautics college.
1: Yeah, no, I I just wanted my parents. I wanted to be a pilot. I, I was 16. and My parents had given me flying lessons as a Christmas present. Oh,
0: no kidding. Yeah.
1: And um, and I, it's what I wanted to do.
0: That's pretty fascinating. All right. You're on several boards. If you want, you can
1: oh, no, it's get a, into I have, that. I have wonderful boards that I'm okay. on. I'm proud to be associated with all of them, but we don't have to do all that.
0: All right. So in addition to being a pilot, you're a mountain summiter you're a hotel repeller a hiker a trail runner a mountain climber
1: oh, i am i love you a
0: mountain biker a freezing water swimmer and a trapeze artist
1: you are correct i have dabbled in all of those
0: anything else that i missed
1: um pottery i'm a pie po- oh. yeah i throw pottery on a pottery wheel
0: <laughs> really <laughs> what do you make
1: Nothing more than like what you can make out of two pounds of clay because that's, that's all I can finagle. So I make mostly lopsided coffee mugs. <laughs> I'll give you one if you want.
0: All right. You repelled a Virgin Hotel.
1: I did. Yeah, it was for charity. How did – yeah.
0: talk about that. How did that – that's not something that anybody walks off the street and gets to be able it was to junior,
1: do. It was a, a charity. It was a fundraiser for Junior cheap, Achievement, and I um I was excited to do that. Yeah, I've done some repelling, you know, to um, – off waterfalls and rocks and stuff, but this was this was fun. I mean, to be up there looking over Las Vegas and a little bit scary, quite frankly. When they finally say, "Okay, go," <laughs> y- y-
0: you're like, you really? "What did I sign up for?"
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was a fun intera- uh, introduction and very interactive officially welcome to, to Takeaways. I usually say those were my words and your own words. Tell us who you are and tell us what you do.
1: Okay. So, so Tina Quigley, been in Southern Nevada for, you do the math, for 32 years. Um, my story is probably very similar to hundreds of thousands of others' stories in that I came out after college. Um, actually, in between my junior and senior year, I came out to do a like a way you work for college credits at McCarran Airport. And I Had a great summer. I left thinking I'm so happy to have this on my resume, but a few things. One, I don't want to be a government employee. Two, I don't want a desk job. And three, I don't want to live in Las Vegas. But then I graduated and (laughs) there was so much opportunity here. McCarran (laughs) McCarran Airport invited me to come back as a full-time intern. And I thought, okay, two years, two years, build my resume, get some great experience. And then I am moving to Utopia, USA. I don't know where that is, but I'm going to find it and it's going to have a fabulous airport. And I'm going there. Um, But then, you know, (laughs) Vegas is a place where there's just constantly, we're dreamers, right? There's so much opportunity and optimism. Now, we've gone through boom and bust cycles, but when I first started out, there's just no other community that could have offered you the career advancement and the ability to become connected to a community because we're still a very small city, and actually effectuate some change or be a part of that change, there's no no other community you could do that. So two years becomes 10, and one day you wake up and you're like, I live here, and if I'm going to live here, then I am going to make it the best place that I can so that other people want to move here. Because I, admittedly I was guilty for those years, for several years, thinking I'm not really staying here, so no on that <laughs> tax and no on new library. You know, I was a terrible voter, and so, now I'm trying to atone for my sins. <laughs>
0: You've certainly made up for it. I've got more questions about that and the sentiment of Southern Nevada. But before we go there, talk about your family.
1: Okay. Um, I have got, at this point, I'm an empty nester. I've got two kids who are now 22 and 20, um, both living in California. In fact, they're each other's roommates, which is kind of cute. They really like each other. Yeah. My husband, (laughs) Dale Quigley, he is a pilot. He a commercial pilot. He works for UPS. He is based out of Louisville, Kentucky and does mostly international flights, uh, Europe and Asia.
0: Louisville. 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 Uh, I was schooled. I I went there once, and they told me how to say it, because Louisville apparently is not how they want you to say it, just like Nevada. Nevada. Good to know. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So your kids went back to California where you're originally from.
1: Yeah. They're in Southern California. I was, I'm from Northern, Northern California. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you why. Um, and that is because they are both, uh, they're very entrepreneurial, uh, an artist and an industrial designer. Um, and they just didn't feel like there was enough of that type of community here in Southern Nevada to be able to support their, their career, um, interests. And education, so that that was kind of interesting for me, um, because I really, you know, as part of LVGEA's mission, it that, that is one thing I'd like to try to work on is create a stronger entrepreneurial and artist, uh, you know, creative arts type environment, to the extent that economic development can do that, so that we don't lose some of that that talent, and that we do um, we do curate and diversify the types of economies that we've got here. Cool. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, this show is called Takeaways, and it's about takeaways from people that have influenced me, and you're certainly one of those people. Oh, well,
1: hi. I'm I, You You say that, and I really appreciate <laughs> it, but I got to tell the same about you, and I, I'm sure we're going to start talking about NAOP and the relationship with LBGEA. But um, for those, it just I want to share my story about you. I met you years and years ago. You came up in, to talk to me after I had given a presentation, I think, at NAOP, and you um, I knew right away that you were going to be somebody who would be a part of shaping Southern Nevada. You um, came with some very uh, insightful questions, and we had a bit of a conversation. Of course, we were both considerably younger there, but you were pretty young. And uh, I, I thought, this is, this is somebody who's going to be somebody. And, and look, you are, you're chair of NAOP. Hey, and now we're still working together.
0: <laughs> it all came back around. Yeah. You were, I remember that breakfast you came to talk about, uh, you were at the RTC back then, all the things you were doing and, you know, with these programs. So I'm, um, I got involved with NAOP very deeply in the programs committee every month. They have a breakfast every month. There's 200 plus people that go to the Orleans hotel and listen to something And that's, I guess, the first sort of uh, thing I recognize with NAOP is they've already done the work to consistently aggregate, and it's not just, you know, 200 bodies walking through the door. As it relates to commercial real estate development in Southern Nevada, it literally is the people that are not just the who's who. I feel like that's sort of a... Yeah.
1: The people who are shaping things.
0: They are actually doing it. They're building the buildings. They're doing the analyses. They're, you know, the supply and demand. It all goes through their, their hands. And every month, for ten months out of the year, um, January through October, there are programs. So getting on the programs committee, it's like, well, we get to help shape the narrative because someone says something on one of those panels and it makes your the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you get inspired or moved, and off you go to your office and do the work that you do and and create something from it. So there are some uh, you know like utilities panel or the legislative panel. And then here's one for RTC. It's like, great. RTC, traffic. Right. It's going to be, I have to go because I'm on the pro, so I'm like, whatever. <laughs>
1: it's not the sexiest it's like,
0: topic. Uh, it's like, uh, I think it's, there's a um, the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Where they're both assassins and yeah. his cover- Like they go to the neighbor's house, the party, and his cover is like he's a traffic consultant or something. And he says that deliberately so that people don't want to ask him (laughs) questions and like probe into. I forgot
1: about that. I think
0: that's the movie, but I'm like, that's what I think about. But then, all right, so you're the keynote. Okay. And you start talking about all things RTC, and it's not Mm -hmm. just traffic. It was like, I remember specifically, you talked about. One cool thing about Southern Nevada is that, like you said, everything goes through one agency as it relates to traffic. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like a company like Audi that wants mm-hmm. to develop driving technology would come here because there's only one agency to get approvals from, mm-hmm. so that they can
1: test their new technology, test and all that yeah. stuff.
0: Whereas if they tried it in Southern California, there's like
1: 133 different traffic management agencies they'd have to work with.
0: I was going to say a dozen. I was okay. way off, 100, but yeah. 130. So, like that was a specific takeaway from that breakfast. That you shared, but the way that you shared it, it wasn't like, Hey, here's some slides and here's some stuff we're going through. I mean, you were so animated, (laughs) so energized. There was so much enthusiasm behind it. You're like, it's like, you couldn't wait to get to the next thing. It's like, here's the Yachty thing, but here's the, this, and we're doing this and there's all this. And it was like, all of a sudden it was, uh, what was it? Revenue? the tax, what was it oh, called? Oh, fuel tax. Uh-huh. What, yeah, was, that? what it was, it was the acronym? Fuel, fuel revenue indexing. Fuel revenue indexing. You know why? Because like, we
1: didn't want to put the word tax in there. so we put Oh, revenue. index. Revenue. <laughs> so okay. Called it no, but revenue.
0: even that, it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense as you're going through and it's like, here you are. Like you came in through the back door talking about a tax and it was like fun and exciting and energizing and we're leading and we're doing awesome stuff. And I became a traffic fan, actually a Tina fan, oh, you're but that was nice. that breakfast that we initially met.
1: Oh, yep. That would have been, that would have been 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy.
0: All right. Now I get to ask you the question I ask everybody, which is back to you. Uh, What has been the single most influential thing or event in your life that shaped you the most? Second to meeting me at the nail thing, of course.
1: Okay. Yeah. Second to meeting you. I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a personal and a professional just, yeah. So, um, so the single professionally, the single most, influential thing would be my my first job um, at McCarran Airport. We had a director of aviation um, at the time. His name was Bob Broadbent. And if you're old school, you know who he is. He was a county commissioner. And um, he told us very early on, um, the younger generation, so that would have been Jacob Snow, um, myself, and then Curtis Miles, who now runs the monorail. He told us, never, ever forget that you work for the community, your paycheck comes from taxpayer dollars. So your obligation is to make sure that this airport is continues to be, um, an asset that never ever halts the economic development of, of Southern Nevada. The airport can never be the glass ceiling or the the cap on why we can't continue to grow. Hmm. Um, and I, I really appreciated that. He was pretty serious. He was extremely dedicated to, to Southern Nevada's growth. And so he took the younger, you know, took took the younger kids and said, listen, this is the community pays your pays you and you owe them this. Um and I thought that was so that was pretty significant. Yeah. That helped shape me. Um, personally, uh I the biggest thing that influenced who I am today as an adult, I would say, is um my second born, my son was born with a, a liver problem um, that was going to require him to have a liver transplant. And f- so for the first two years of his life, we didn't know if he was going to live or, or not. Wow. Um, I, yeah, just sleepless. Night. Very, very, very taxing. When you have a child that's born with a health issue, There is it puts an extreme amount of stress in your life, your... Family, your, your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your work, everybody. And you end up seeing extreme sides of yourself that you otherwise would not have seen, extreme sides of, um, of your partner and, and your family that you otherwise wouldn't have seen, and a side of your friends that you otherwise wouldn't have seen. You really quickly learn what your personal challenges are, but the value of friendships um, and that, that village. Um, really surfaces. So I was so lucky to have friends who were also coworkers, but they really took care of me during that time. Um, whether it was bringing meals or helping to take care of my oldest child while I was dealing with, um, you know, hospitals and doctors and having to be away from work, having, um, you know, friend yet. Yeah, and, and then also bosses in the workplace who completely supported what you were going through. Um, yeah, I would say that that's the biggest thing. I am much more aware of my ability to deal with stress and I have I can probably deal with more stress than I than I ever otherwise would have realised.
0: So that is uh, you're kind of I think outlined that as a silver lining bit about your capacity for stress. Yeah. Having gone through that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You On- definitely learn as a result. There is nothing that I cannot freaking take care of. I can do this. And I have drawn upon that in um, in other situations.
0: Yeah, on the friend side you mentioned a couple of things that you would expect kind of like taking um, bringing meals or helping, helping me. with your daughter. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there something that a friend did or friends did that was like not obvious but was so helpful?
1: Yeah. I would say um, The friends who just would listen, and it sounds so silly because it's so easy. But the friends who would just listen and let you break down. um, Some people have really good intentions, and they'll say things like, "Gosh, I'm so God only gives you what you can handle." You know, I'm so glad God didn't give that to me. You know what? Let me tell you something. I didn't. (laughs) I didn't think I could handle this either. God doesn't give it to people who can't handle it. You know, this wasn't a choice. It landed in my lap. So, um, the people who said sometimes just to not shy away from the conversation, to because you're always afraid if somebody's got a health issue or you know a, a significant issue, you don't maybe don't want to talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. It's mm. okay to say I am so sorry. What does it feel like right now? So those little tiny conversations of just wanting to let me open up made mm. a big difference.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I'm laughing. Um a friend of mine, he's our the chair of our vistage group, he's uh in his previous life was a senior pastor of a mega church here locally, and his wife had cancer and he talked about the same thing. It's like the darnest thing people say.
1: Little things. It's like, they don't mean it. It's they
0: don't just, no, they're actually yeah. they're they're trying to mm-hmm. say it like in a comforting way, but it mm-hmm. doesn't land doesn't mm-hmm. land like that. But the other side to that is to just ask how, you know, what mm-hmm. what, what what's happening today and mm-hmm. Let whoever it is you in that in this instance just process your thoughts because where else are you doing that? Right. Good takeaway. Thanks for asking that. That's a you know it's a surprising answer. Would oh, not have expected. Well, that and the,
1: oh, I forgot to tell you. So he is now 20 years old, uh, doing thr- well. They took a piece of my liver and they transplanted oh. it into him.
0: How did that conversation go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you just you do what hey, you got to do. Yeah, yeah. So the liver is actually um, has a natural split in it, and so they can take the. The liver is the only organ that can regenerate itself um, in the human body. So my liver is now back to the size that it that it um, should, you know, originally was, and the liver that was donated and is in his um, body now just grows with with the size with his natural growth. What a story! Yeah, had I known that I was going to be <laughs> donating a piece of my liver, I would have taken much better care of it. Prior that.
0: Oh, I see.
1: <laughs> but he seems to be doing okay. Well,
0: he's 20. He's in California. He's studying to be an industrial designer. Yeah. And he's doing just fine. <laughs> um, you're an alum of the Harvard Business School. Mm-hmm. Talk about that.
1: So this was a program that uh, – it was a two-year program, and you could do it uh, – you go to campus for a few weeks, uh, a few for a couple weeks, a few times out of the year, and – I actually ended up finishing it through at at the end of COVID. But what I really loved about this program is that it's an international program, and so and they are very um, they they have caps on the number of students that they'll take from each country. So it wasn't just all um, Americans. They wouldn't take more than fifty percent of Americans, and then they um, bring in. Uh, they make sure that they've got a disbursement of other countries, and then they put you into these living groups where you are living in a dorm situation for two weeks at a time with these groups, and you may have one other American. Do you American. get your own room? You get your own room, but you share the the kitchen and the living space and the desk space, etc. Bathrooms. Uh, you. You, ha- you you share some shower in space, but yeah. Uh, but what was really good for me is that I have lived in this bubble in Las Vegas, Southern Nevada, for thirty some odd years, and I really don't have much exposure to um, any type of international or, or, or uh, you know global type perspectives or conversations, this forces you because you have to work on a group project together with a pretty intense timeline and you're competing with the other groups for your, your, your class project, which puts stress on the group. You are forced to have to really listen through some heavy accents through the filter of different cultures, different perspectives, Mm. different ways of looking at problems. You are forced to have to listen and learn how to work as a group. And here's the other thing. For the most part, we were all, CEO or or, or uh, you know leaders of organizations, and so we all consider ourselves the leader. And to have to step back and to sometimes be a follower um, was really good personal growth. And I mean, I'll share with you. I, I you know being a strong American woman, I think I, a woman I do know that through. And then you have to have this counseling and talk about your you know issues within the team. Um, some I was offensive and, uh, to some other to men of other cultures who you are, yeah I know no. right well just that I was they felt like I was strong and aggressive that was it you're you're a little Gina's a little too <laughs> aggressive <laughs> um, and I thought I was just having and, conversations is with is that any but,
0: culture specifically
1: yeah it was it was Indian
0: okay yeah interesting
1: yeah yeah and um, it was just really it was really insightful.
0: So I had I had a that.
1: Russian, I had Turkey, I had somebody from Russia, somebody from Turkey, somebody from Japan, somebody from China, somebody from India, um, myself, and who am I missing? I, got, I had another American from, uh, from San Francisco, so
0: there we go. And of those, how many males, how many females?
1: Uh, there were only two females and six, six men.
0: Where was the other female from? Russia. That's fascinating.
1: Yeah, she was actually a great leader.
0: So that primed you for your new gig at the LVGEA, the G being global, global right? Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance. Yeah, yeah. How? So you were retired.
1: Yeah, retired for about two years. So yes, I did. I you know did thirty pretty much. I earned thirty years in uh, in a pension system with uh, within Clark County, and I thought I was going to retire and enjoy that. Um, but it turns out there are certain personality types that are not meant to be retired. And the I,
0: aggressive American woman being I one of them. I learned
1: that I'm one of them. And I just, you know, <laughs> accept that. I think um, that was one of the biggest learning lessons about being trying retirement is that, you know, don't fight who you are naturally, just be yourself. And um, I like to work.
0: And so how did this opportunity come to you or how did you find sure. it? What, what was the...
1: So it, uh, I was made aware of the fact that um, the that Jonas Peterson from the LBGEA was going to be leaving. I got a call from one of the board members, and they said, would you be interested? Um, and the timing was really right. It's, it was interesting because I knew that retirement was not working out for me, and I'm not a super religious person, but I do remember, in fact, I always like being in control or planning my own future, but I do remember kind of having this little conversation with God or the you know the universal spirit saying, hey, whatever's meant to be, I am open to. I um I'm going to just wait and see what kind of shows up. And I I swear it was two weeks later I got the phone call saying, is this something you'd be interested in? And um, I had to do some research. And I know I, I, Mm -hmm. I talked with you about this because even though I knew what LVGEA was and what the acronym stood for and I'd been to their events and I'd been to some meetings, I really didn't totally understand from a mechanical, functional perspective what they did. Like what do they really do? And uh, that was interesting as I started to call around to you know stakeholders in the community to ask them, you know, what is the LVGEA to you? How do you interact mm-hmm. with the LVGEA? And, and I learned that there were a lot of people that were just like me that that knew some things about the LVGEA, but again, not entirely sure of what it did for the community. Um, so I. Decided that if I got this job, I was going to make darn sure that the entire community knew what LBGA was, what its purpose was. We're still shaping that. But then also how we pull the community in Mm -hmm. to be a part of economic development. We are a team of 12 people. 12 people do not move the needle as it relates to growing and attracting businesses here. We have to have partners like NAOP
0: you've got 12 people in your office at the LVGEA doing economic development for the region and, and you know, we're the greater Las Vegas area oh, yeah. and we're comprised of Henderson and North Las Vegas and Clark County and Las Vegas. And I think do all four of them also have an economic development agency? Mm-hmm. and Including you, uh, Clark County. Yeah. And, yep. So Clark County, uh,
1: older city has an economic development office. And then,
0: so one might say, what's the LVGEA even for mm-hmm. if they all have their own. So it's, really complex and fascinating and intricate
1: it is right and 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 to some extent we have the ability to really shape what its role is in the community and we're having conversations right now so the lvgea is the regional economic development agency it is the agency that works directly with the state with the governor's office of economic development um to offer the incentive to offer incentive program uh, packages to companies that are looking to move here to connect companies with workforce development, um, with possibly brokers Mm -hmm. or uh, whatever it is that they might need in choosing to, to locate here. We are a team. We, we increasingly, we will be part and parcel with each one of the municipalities, economic development organizations, and really helping them bring, bring business to whatever focus that they their, prior, their economic development priorities are. So for North Las Vegas, they've got a lot of industrial land up there, and they've got Apex, and they're looking for more infrastructure up at Apex. So it's our responsibility to be, as we're out finding those companies and learning of those companies, to make sure that those companies are well-briefed and connected to the leaders, to the economic development um Leaders at North Las Vegas, um, and, and likewise, each one of those, each one of the municipalities, has got their own set of priorities. So, really understanding those priorities and helping businesses that we learn of to get connected to those, to those cities.
0: So you're the dream catcher of anyone looking in this region.
1: Yeah, if somebody's coming to look, we are the and regional then agency, the
0: director based on what they're trying to yeah do, connecting them where, with the, where to go,
1: mm-hmm. connecting them with to workforce opportunities.
0: Um, yeah. I was thinking about like, if there were an org chart, uh-huh. not just for LVGEA, but this entire process of economic development, as, as you were talking, you've got the state. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah. got one, another acronym, go Yeah.
1: The I governor's of office for
0: economic development. Yeah. Uh, because the state is the entity that approves the tax incentives. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. a company is um, not qualifies. deserving, qualifies. Yeah. Um, you've got some, same kind of a thing in Northern Nevada, mm-hmm. but we're not talking about them. We're talking about us mm-hmm. as it relates to this org chart. You've got the LVGEA. Yes. You've got the four municipalities. There might be more with yeah, Mesquite we've got, its we've, own.
1: Yeah, Mesquite has. So Mesquite, Boulder City, they all do. Mesquite, Boulder City, Henderson, North Las Vegas, City of Las Vegas, and then also Clark County.
0: Is that six or seven? That's six. Six. Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned Workforce.
1: Mm-hmm. That's Workforce Connections.
0: Connections. Is so the agency another,
1: that, yeah, but we also work with the higher ed, uh, well, lower ed and higher ed. Um, and their workforce development or their their talent development pipelines. Do those
0: connect to workforce connections? Uh, How does that?
1: To, uh, yes, and is there no. a mind
0: map that already exists for <laughs> there, all this stuff? Because it's fascinating. It, it, is, it really fascinating. is fascinating. You know what, Haim?
1: There's not. There's not, and that is one of the conversations that we have. There is so much workforce development, and that that's a big catchphrase, right? That can mm-hmm. mean. PhDs, that can mean associate degrees, that can mean certificates, that can just mean apprenticeships, that can mean um, just general workforce training. That's one of the things we would like to do is work with the – all is, is do a summit wherein we can bring in anybody who is in the workforce or talent development um, realm and start mapping this out. It would be really interesting to see who is doing what Uh, Where are we maybe overly prescribed as it relates to developing workforce, and where are we under-prescribed as it relates to developing workforce, specifically for the types of businesses that we are trying to attract here? You know, When a business is looking to locate, the first thing that they need, of course, is land. Um, But then the next thing that they're very interested in is, where am I going to get my workforce? Where are my employees going to come from? And um, if we are trying to attract an industry that does not have a strong workforce component or pipeline of workers, mm-hmm. then we're going to be pretty challenged in getting them to land here.
0: Um, we might be jumping around a bit here, Sorry. but no, no, in a good way. Okay. I'm going to jump us here for a second because you said uh, industry. Mm-hmm. And when you came into the role, there were seven industries, target industries, there are, five yeah, target there are industries, seven, there are seven. seven target industries. Yeah. And are we still we focusing st- on those seven?
1: We still have those seven. I think there's some that are going to be higher of higher priority than others because they're going to be, uh, more organic and, mm-hmm. and naturally uh, interested in moving to Southern Nevada. Like, like I changed that to the greater Las Vegas oh, yes. area. The
0: greater Las Vegas area. So, uh, keep manufacturing and
1: advanced manufacturing are ones that, uh, if you looked at our pipeline of mm-hmm. companies that we're talking to or leads that we've got more than half of the leads that we're working with are in the advanced manufacturing industry, which is great because those are higher skill, higher wage type jobs and generally uh, advanced manufacturing is going to have a smaller land footprint and they're not going to be big consumers of uh, water. So those are and, and, uh, and then they're, and they're trainable uh, mm-hmm. they're trainable jobs. so we have a workforce that uh, that we can draw from.
0: So interesting two things that we are scarce in land and water so mm-hmm. you're you're using our constraints. To really focus us on what will work for us.
1: What is a good fit for us. Good
0: fit. And yeah. when we say no to things, we can focus on the things we can say yes to and really excel there. And that's the yeah. prioritization. Is that where it's going with, that? Yeah. with the seven down mm-hmm. to maybe less?
1: So, and first of all, you said say no to things. We don't ever really say no. It's just that we will work harder on those that are good fits. I think
0: it's okay to say no to things. Okay. I well, personally I think fair. that. Right. I mean, the, the reality of... of of, you know, we are in a desert. Yes. This is another message I think you guys brought forward. Not I don't, I don't think there another message you brought forward with the LVGEA this year and really uh, imprinted into the community is guys, we're in a desert.
1: Yeah.
0: We have to remember that we're in a desert <laughs> and behave as though we're in a desert. And that was the, the water, the yeah. water lady you brought in.
1: Yeah. Was that fun? her? Yeah. That was uh, Cindy Wallace. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so things like yeah, a bottling plant, a water bottling plant is is not is probably something that we want to say we no to. Say and no I, to. we have the city of Henderson did say no to when mm-hmm. they were looking to locate there. Because Bravo, that, guys! Yeah, that water's leaving us. That water's mm-hmm. not that they just took our, they stole our water, <laughs> and we you know we didn't even really get sales tax associated with the sale of that finished product. Um, but w- you know, we collectively also um, need to make sure that we're we're sharing the message that. We do live in a desert, and we cannot allow water to be evaporated, to be gone, to be consumed. So, agriculture, non-recreational, you know. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. But we are so well-positioned of all the cities, of all the regions on that, that rely on the Colorado, we get those return flow credits because of our proximity. And we put the water, we recycle the water, it goes back to Lake Mead, and we get to use it again and again and again. And again, so growth actually can continue to happen here. It just has to be responsible growth. Mm. We're the only city or the only region that relies on the Colorado that can say that. So we are really well positioned. Another
0: thing, I mean we talked at the beginning before we started recording about we are world class in certain things. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. We have world class DNA in this community, which is a topic <laughs> for a whole another conversation. But I wanna kind of bring us back for a second sure. and we'll we'll push pause on this but then we'll continue with it so you started in february of 2020 in june of 20, sorry 2022 this year yeah uh in june of 2022 you did something which i thought was super brilliant you brought in uh summer hollingsworth yeah who was Former, um, he was what, he three before you
1: yeah uh, three
0: before you or maybe four uh, Don Snyder, who's a local Las Vegas ubiquitous businessman, has been- And is, was
1: chair of the LVGEA. And was again. chair
0: of the LVGEA. Yeah. Or I'm sorry.
1: It was the NDA NDA, yeah. yeah. Nevada Development And Authority.
0: Mark Fine.
1: Mm-hmm, awesome. So
0: let me, before we continue on this. So I read, I have a book here, The Quiet Kingmaker of Las ah, Vegas, yeah. the story of Perry Thomas, yeah. and all Good sorts book. of other characters come in there. And the best of my understanding is the NDA, the Nevada Development Authority, started- Way back when, when Perry Thomas would, they're not junkets, but he would go around and syndicate loans. They would have to get other sources of financing for loans. And that sort of became the the starting of the NDA mm-hmm. and a pursuit in the greater Las Vegas area well done. to diversify our economy, uh, not away from gaming and hospitality, but other things as well, so mm-hmm. we are not solely reliant on that industry for, for obvious reasons.
1: Can you imagine how hard that was to do to convince bankers and other businesses that this was a place to, to invest in when all they had was gaming?
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah. crazy to think about back then. Um, so, by the way, you bring them in. I saw you guys posted about it, and I was like, that's so smart. So it it reminded me I should reach out to Summer and have him, and he came in, and I think it's the (laughs) longest-running podcast so far. He's
1: so fun, isn't he?
0: He is awesome. The stories he told was like one after another. I was like feverishly writing down these names so I can go look up some of them you know very, very well. Uh, Some of them it's like I got to go look them up and connect the dots, but... So you're, you're like five months into your new gig mm-hmm. and you, you went on a listening tour and you heard some things. You reached out to people and how do you interact with LVGA? What do you think about them? You asked for anecdotes um, and you were, you were very specific. Not just the good stuff, guys. I want to hear the, the hard and challenging things that I need to hear. And then you go and bring in Summer, Dawn, and Mark to have a day in the office with the current team. Mm-hmm. So you brought in sort of the old-
1: The OG. The, oh, yeah, the, the OGs, tanksters. the
0: originals. Uh, the old guard uh, with the current guard, mm-hmm. and that's brilliant for a lot of reasons. But let's kind of talk about sure. that. Um, what inspired you or caused you to bring them in?
1: Because I looked at the team that we had, and nobody on our team had been there for more than six years. So they didn't understand. I I wanted them to really understand the roots of the agency, and. The growth that the agency had and uh, that had been through, but also the lessons learned, you know, and just the history and the anecdotes and the how did it come to be, and we are so lucky that we're just like not even a full generation away from the OG. So the OG is still here. That's it's a fun thing about living in the greater Las Vegas area <laughs> is that we're so young that our original shapers and influencers and founders they're still here. And they're ready to share stories. I needed the team to understand where we came from, why we exist, um, and lessons learned. And, and, and it was just really fun. I, everybody on the team enjoyed, knew of these people, um, but to get to meet them was a big deal for them. You know, it's like doing the ancestry on your family, like to get to talk to your your extended family on on our, our adventures and how we got here. So it was. It was really valuable, and those are such amazing people. I mean, Mark Fine, he did so much to really shape the early days, and it's not. I say early, but you know, it's only a a few decades away. Um, Don Snyder, extremely influential in shaping what Las Vegas is today, and then Summer, under his leadership, did so much uh, for the NDA and really helping to make Las Vegas seen as a place that businesses wanted to come to.
0: So interesting that you said it was um, a need for your team. Mm-hmm. And the way I viewed it was mm-hmm. you're actually building a bridge the other way. All the people that have done economic development before, I learned this from fraternity life. I call yeah. it the past president syndrome. Okay, You become a president and you put your heart and soul into something and it's, uh, it's this way because that's the way you know and that's your experience and your worldview and your biases. Yeah. And then you graduate, and mm-hmm. then these kids are ruining everything <laughs> every time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: of course they're ruining it. They're ruining what you did because the times are different, the yeah. people are different, the worldviews yeah. are different, the biases are different, the yeah. priorities are different. Yeah. Of course it's different. It's yeah. not what you had. Yeah. It's not to say that it's there. There is not a connection. There absolutely is a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but in so NDA Summer Hollingsworth. He retired. I think he was there for mm, 20 years probably. or something something yeah. like that. And then I'm at an S-I-O-R, another real estate acronym, um, an S-I-O-R luncheon. And I think it was Tom Skanky that came in and said, we are not Las Vegas. We are a uh, region as it relates to global logistics. Okay, Was it Tom? Probably. And uh, repositioned NDA to LVGEA because- okay. We have to look at ourselves as we as we are in the world and where things move. And then sure. there were these like um, mission trips to oh. other countries overseas. Mm-hmm. And the old guard saying, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Do mission trips to Southern California and bring businesses over here like we did because that's where they're coming from. Not from, I don't know where they were, mm-hmm. but uh, Korea or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Jonas was next next, but then there was Jonas and mm-hmm. now there's you. And so there's this you know the difference and that that's natural for any organization Mm -hmm. and the brilliance of what you did i thought was really building that bridge back all the way interesting for the benefit of your team but i think for the benefit of everyone who's still here still in the community still interested in rolling their sleeves up and and helping and doing work Mm -hmm. but not feeling like they're just you know alienating us or doing it different wrong i thought it was so smart
1: oh thank you thank you heimel there's much, much more to do.
0: So summer was here, sitting where you're sitting, and we had a
1: very nice fun. long. Oh
0: my god, I couldn't even introduce him. He just started talking. <laughs>
1: Isn't he awesome? I know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We
0: all wrapped up, and then yeah, Cree, yeah. who helps me on the podcast, like, all right, Heim, Let's just record an intro now, and I'll patch it in because he just literally started going. And we're like, okay, <laughs> we're we're going. But we talked about you, okay, quite a bit, okay. And he called you a fighter.
1: Ah. Uh, that's a compliment coming from that guy. He's he was, a fighter.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> said, you're a fighter. Yeah. I says, Tina fighter. He goes, she's a fighter. He actually talked about you as a fighter. Um, he's like, I watched what she did at RTC and what she did with those boys.
1: <laughs> he's I
0: don't know what he was talking <laughs> about exactly, but he absolutely knew what he was talking uh, about. Cute. But back yeah, in your bio, awesome. you or whoever wrote this for you chose okay. those words, okay. you know, fighting for advocating for building. Mm-hmm. Is that how you think about yourself or how would you think about yourself?
1: I think about the fact that okay, so there, I have this mantra, and that is, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? And you know, if you there are issues where I have to vet through because maybe it's not supposed to be me, um, and maybe it's not now. But more often than not, if something's really on top of mind and you you see a gap, you you see something that's not right. Um, I can't. I want to fight for it. I, I, I want to f- at least force the conversation bet- with the influencers or the people who are involved in in you know controlling that that issue. I can't let it go, uh, and and I do have to vet. I I do I do have to vet because there are times when it's not appropriate. You know the the LVGA does not need to be involved in some things. And I, I'm lucky to have, like, Jeremy Aguero is working mm-hmm. with us right now um, with the LVGEA, and he is really good about saying, you know, Tina, that is not an issue for the LVGEA. Um, but when there are things that are an issue for the LBGEA, I want to force the conversation. So that's probably where the perception of fighter comes. Um, I don't want to ignore it. There, there's gaps that can't be ignored. And if you're not going to stir the pot sometimes, who else is? maybe there is somebody else. I'm going to recruit them to help stir the pot. <laughs> I'm going to recruit you, hi. Huh? And we're going to go stir the pot on some stuff.
0: Absolutely. Um, and you kind of did, actually. So let's jump into the takeaways portion. The specific takeaways I've learned from you in March. Hey. We talked about the breakfast that that where you and I met, but so now you're head of the RT, or excuse me, LVGEA, mm-hmm. and you call on NAOP. Yeah, and NAOP. Uh, we talked about it's the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Community, and you said, "Why don't we have a stronger relationship with you guys?" What'd you say? Um, there are many opinions in NAOP, and it goes back to what we talked about with uh, kind of like the sentiment of the old guard, new guard, and what is the LVGEA really doing? Mm -hmm. And what should they be doing? And those are very tough questions. Mm -hmm. They're tough because it's like, it's so, there's so many channels and avenues. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's economic development for the region, is it your job to take the seven target industries, make a list of a thousand ideal companies that are not here under each channel Mm -hmm. and go bring them here? And then, how do you bring them here? Is it cold mm-hmm. calling? Is it is it marketing? So multiple. Is multiple? It, yeah, it's site selector. Cheerleader of the community? Is it? Mm-hmm. So, what okay. is it that they do? Mm-hmm. That's a a question that NAOP has had. Some people, I should say. Mm-hmm. Let me back up. Let me say this correctly. Okay, because I'm going to speak for myself, as I've observed conversations over the years. Not as NAOP chapter president. Me and observing conversations over the years, it was. What are they even doing? The companies are going to come here anyway. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: That's an opportunity. You're right. And that is part of our job is just being capitalizing on opportunities that show up.
0: You're right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been like pay to play. If you're not a member of the LVGEA, you're not getting the, the list, the into list the companies of the that leads are, that are sure. coming in. There's mm-hmm. There's been that uh, discussion. Um. <clears throat> And now I'll talk as NAP chapter president.
1: Okay.
0: The members have their worldviews and their biases. And then when a new head of the LVGEA calls and says, why don't we have a new relationship? Or why don't we have a good working relationship? Closer. Closer. um, It's, you're right. Why don't we? And then over the next several months, as we were talking, it's like, well, if our members are building the buildings, Yeah. You are putting the bodies in the buildings. I took yeah, a playoff of the LVCVA. Yeah, right. Is that LVCBA. Las Vegas More Convention acronyms, yes. and, Visitors and Visitors Authority who puts yeah. heads in beds. Mm-hmm. You know Their mission is to bring people to Las Vegas to fill hotel rooms. I just view it as your mission is to put people into buildings. You said bodies in
1: buildings. Bodies in buildings. Yeah. I just,
0: if it works, I like it works, right? It does work, yeah. Um, any company you bring here, mm-hmm. even with this narrative that's happening about work from home, any company will need a facility of some sort: uh, warehouse, logistics facility, office building, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and so that's manufacturing. What space, made yeah. sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to that extent, I want to. Uh, I appreciate Naop's leadership on, and under you. We got together. We got together with GoEd very early on when I took this position, and we decided that we were going to start having quarterly meetings. And we're still kind of we're we're still kind of learning the agenda and the cadence of that. But I actually want – I haven't even talked to you about this. I actually would like to increase the cadence of those because um, I don't feel like quarterly is enough. I need to be sharing with you guys more the things that we're doing and talking about at the LBGEA. And I need feedback from you as to, you know, where – what are you hearing out there? Who are you guys working with? What industries are you talking to? What companies? Um, Because I need – We need to more clearly define who we are right now and what's in the pipeline and what our community is going to look like in two, three, four years. And you guys are the ones who know that better than we do. Um, And likewise, I want to share with you, you know, the grants that we're working on, the initiative, the companies that we're talking to, et cetera, to make sure that we're aligned. There's, you know, I say you guys are the – you are the front line, you are talking directly. You and the builders and are talking directly with the clients. It behooves the LVGEA very much to understand who those clients are, because they're you're going to see trends way before we're going to see trends, and we need to know what those trends are so that we're preparing like workforce conversations or um, maybe you know tax incentive conversations. Are there do we need to revisit what the tax incentive program is right now prior to the next legislative session? Those types of things. Um, so sorry to drop that on no, you that's good. publicly like this, but I do think we need to be meeting more often.
0: <laughs> How did you say who we are now?
1: And who, yeah, who we are now and who we need to be preparing for, what you know, we need to be preparing for in terms of what's in the pipeline.
0: Uh, so we invited you to come be a panelist at a NAAP breakfast early in 2022, mm-hmm. um, and you dropped the challenge on the crowd. And you said, we're better than that.
1: We are. Yeah. Um I think that we when you've lived here for a while, you get caught up in that, as Jeremy Aguero likes to say, we love to admire our problems. We, you know. And we and that's okay. I mean, it's good to understand what your your weaknesses are. But here's the scoop, you guys. In the last we have we have changed in the last 30, 20, even 10 years. We are more mature as a community. We actually have some really great things going on in education. We love to talk about all the Problems, but you guys, we have the nation's number one career and technical programs, the the, the mm-hmm. magnet schools. We are ranked number one as it relates to our magnet school program. We are pumping out kids that really are educated and really have skill sets that employers need to know about. Um, we love to talk about this water issue. Now, we do have a water issue, but here's the scoop. We are the best positioned city along the Colorado to actually continue sustainable, good growth. Um, I'm trying to think of other issues. We have the strongest infrastructure um, in terms of roadways, in terms of broadband. More, we rank number one as it relates to the amount of households that have access to broadband. There are so many things that we are doing right. We are better than that. We we see ourselves sometimes in one way, but here's the scoop: we actually are way better than that. And it's time to start celebrating those wins. Never want to deny the fact we've got challenges, but freaking a, let's. Let's promote the fact that we are killing it in some areas.
0: So uh, a lot in here. Okay. First, let's talk about this. We're better than that thing. And yeah. the number one career tech, the number one households. Here's an idea for the L V G E A is what's our what is our brag list?
1: Yeah. Put it all to, in one place. We, we need to do that and I want to
0: disseminate work disseminate
1: that. Yeah, I want to work with NAOP on that and some other community partners. But yeah, I say we put together a promotional package or, you know, online just facts and figures that that really are uh, very clearly just bullet points list the brag list we'll call it the brag list but the things where we're we deserve to celebrate our wins
0: so my thought for that is you put it in two categories okay. one is like the brag list that you would expect number yeah. one in hospitality number one in oh, shopping yeah. great, like the great, things we're actually number one you in don't gotta you shovel expect.
1: sunshine i just heard that one you don't gotta shovel sunshine <laughs> in the winter
0: right yeah that's right yeah. um and then the number one list as it relates to economic development, like the career tech, the broadband, mm-hmm. and we'll put it in the hands of all the brokers in our community yeah. because they are an effective sales force they are. for Southern Nevada. I remember this one guy, his last name was Hatch. He was from Utah. And we were doing a market tour. And on the market tour, he had all these facts about Utah. And I mean, like one of the things he talked about was more breast implants per capita than anywhere, which you wouldn't expect. You'd think it's <laughs> Beverly Hills or... Or Miami. Or
1: Nevada, even. Well, like, yeah, he had, Las like, Vegas. one
0: after another after another. And, like, I still remember it. Yeah. And if we just, I think, put our brag list in the hands of our fun. brokers, that's a
1: great that, idea. That
0: message will carry. That's
1: a great idea.
0: Um, Talking about you as a leader, your style of leadership, you talked about uh, what you learned from Bob earlier, Broadbent. Mm-hmm,
1: broadbent, yeah, he was the director of aviation.
0: There's two things. One, uh, public speaking is clearly an tool in your toolbox i want to talk about that but okay. before that enthusiasm
1: okay
0: yeah uh, you were enthusiastic on the stage in 2016 doing a keynote for mm-hmm. for traffic you were enthusiastic on a panel back uh earlier this year for naop when you said we're better than that you're enthusiastic now is enthusiasm a conscious
1: conscious ingredient for your success no entirely unconscious it just happens you know i um it's because I believe it. I, you know, I wouldn't. I just believe in this stuff. I, I it just you are who you are, right?
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You are who you are. Use it. Uh, so public speaking. Yeah. Uh, you keynote it. I've seen you keynote. I've seen you on a panel. I've seen you do TV interviews. I've seen you do other okay. podcasts.
1: So you're gonna ask like, so keep going. Yeah,
0: what am but I'm gonna, gonna ask? tell you,
1: I was scared to die. I was a terrible public speaker when I was young. Oh my gosh, terrible. You know, like. I screwed up so bad one time. I was so nervous, but my boss Jacob Snow had—I was giving a presentation at the airport. I was so bad, he had to say, "Okay, Tina, that, um, thank you." Like right in the middle of my speech, because I was just terrible, fumbling over my words. And
0: I is that when it all changed for you? No, I mean I, or, I think
1: here's—I think there's some things. Um one, the more confident you are in your subject matter um the more it's it's much more natural but I'll tell you another thing that I decided to early on is there was a saying that um if you knew how often people thought about you, you wouldn't care so much what they think about you, and I think that's really <laughs> true, right like so when we're on stage and we're talking, we think people are judging us or you like you you're trying to give your presentation, but then there's just all this chatter in the back of your head about, do I, you know, how do I look? How are they perceiving me? Drop all that, that clutter from your head because I can assure you half the audience is on their phone or talk, thinking about the fight they had with their spouse or their grocery list or whatever. Like, they're not – you're not that important. Um, and I think once you realize that you're not that important, like, all of a sudden it just becomes a little more comfortable and you just start talking about the things that – the points that you want to get across.
0: So I forgot what it was—the uh, the event that you were at. But you're now invited up to the stage to speak. You literally just got hired. You're probably like on week two or—
1: Oh yeah, that was the uh, state of economic development.
0: So you're, yeah. So here you are. You're a uh, airport expert, traffic expert, and now you're venturing into economic development, which, to the best of my research, you have no degrees in. No. <laughs>
1: Had to call around to find out what what economic development was. Yes, and you're invited
0: to speak in front of this is like the audience for the message of economic development. (laughs) And your format was kind of brilliant. So you're like, okay, here's what I've learned in the last two weeks, and you did like a fact or myth kind of a thing. And you you know these are the experts in the audience or the people that are most engaged in this topic, and you're in a way educating them on what you've been educated in the last couple weeks. How'd you come up with that?
1: I think because when I think about that audience, I think about all of you in that audience as being just like me. Maybe that helps out too with the public speaking is that I, I know a lot of you that are in that audience anyways. Um, And I think you are equally interested and um, I don't want to use you are as equally interested. I want to say as uneducated as I am, but I mean, I think you're interested in wanting to know these things, and you probably don't know some of these things. So the, these these fact and myth things that I was learning as part of the LBGEA, I was pretty sure you guys didn't know either in the audience, and you would be interested in learning those things. So I wanted to share that with you. That my journey and what I've learned is stuff that you guys probably don't know either and want to learn about, or even what the LBGEA does. So
0: you talked about in that moment, so, and it kind of circles back to what you just said about confidence. So your mission at that point, two weeks into this new gig is to get confident and competent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How's that going for you as it relates Ooh. now to economic Ooh, development I'm still
1: learning <laughs> oh, I am not I am not and the economic development guru or expert, but um, you know we're building our team, and we will be bringing on some people who have decades of experience in real business development and economic development. Um, but here's the other thing. There is no such thing as a, a real expert in this. Every single region is going to be different. Every single um, hmm. you know industry that you're going after is going to have its own idiosyncrasies. And um, there is no perfect formula for economic development. It is all truly um, – some of it is opportunistic. It just lands in your lap and some of it is going to be spear fishing being very targeted but again it's going to be each one of those companies you're going after is going to have a, there's no formula for it. You go and establish a relationship and start talking. I guess that's that's in the end what it's all about.
0: Just starting a relationship. Yeah. All right, a couple more and we'll we'll wrap it up. Sure. Um In the category of marketing, there's an emerging category of developing your personal brand. And there are things that you can do intentionally to do that. And I actually asked you about this once in one of our text exchanges. Mm -hmm. And the way it showed up for me, um, I'm riding on an escalator with a local developer, someone who I respect and admire very much. And we were just leaving your perspective event. Mm -hmm. And his comments were, Tina coming to the LVGEA is so refreshing. Now, the few weeks leading up to that, you sent out an email to your network saying, "We've got our event coming up. My job is to sell tables. I need people to buy tables." And I thank
1: you, MDL, for buying a table.
0: And we did, and I imagine yeah. others did as well. Thank and you. And it was on the um, what's the word? Not fate, but on the on the trust of Tina's here now, and she's doing this LVGEA thing, and she asked for that, and we're we're behind her. But it wasn't just us; it was this guy that I rode on the escalator with just she's there now and I'm paying attention. And that to me is you've got a brand value that you've been building up in this community over 32 years, but you don't think about it like that at all.
1: Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Well, I, um, I appreciate, thank you for sharing that. Um, so what that tells me is, yeah, how blessed and lucky are you that, um, these people believe in you. So don't F it up, right? (laughs) So do not take that for granted. Do the work that they expect you to do. Make this a place that businesses want to come to and do that through your relationships with those who can help you do it. Don't F this up.
0: Another mantra. Yeah. Uh, If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. What does that Amen. mean? Amen.
1: Hallelujah. That means that um, <laughs> this is not a an individual sport. Economic development is a team sport. Um and, and actually it applies to everything. It's not economic development. Everything that you do, you if you want to be a successful leader, like you're not doing this on your own. You might for a few months, you might look like you're you got this all by yourself and you did this, but that's not, there's no longevity to that. Um True success comes from, I mean, sustainable long-term success where you're moving the needle and making change. That's a group. That's a group endeavor. Nobody does that on their own.
0: You might have answered the the ending question that I thought about, which is what advice would you give to a budding leader in Southern Nevada about Uh, how to engage or position
1: themselves or how to develop themselves? Always remember. Okay. So- Actually, this was Pat Mulroy, the former um, general manager of the Water Authority. When I first took the job at the RTC, she sat me down and she said, "Never ever forget who you really work for." So on an org chart, it looks like you work for a board, and that you know those those board members are going to come and go. But in the end, you if you work for the community, then the community will always have your back. So if you have a crazy boss, if you have you know if something's not right, Mm -hmm. and if you have been a good servant to the community, and I'm gonna relate this to business, then they that's like having armor. That you are impenetrable because those arrows, when people take shots at you, are just gonna bounce right off because the community will have your back. So likewise that applies in the workforce, any type of workforce, whether you have, you know, if you've got a boss that, you know, bosses come and go. Um but if you've got a fan club, if you have built up uh, strong relationships inside your company and outside your company, then that, again, is like like armor um, and really allows you to, to move forward with your mission or your goals without being distracted by you know the internal politics or external politics.
0: Never forget who you work for.
1: Never forget who you work for. It's not necessarily what it looks like on the org chart.
0: So you might not be a guru in economic development, but it's clear you're a guru in mm-hmm. uh, building relationships, advocating for what you're passionate about, and certainly fighting to move the needle.
1: Thank you. This and was fun.
0: It, it was a lot of fun. Anything? Any last takeaways you want to share?
1: No, just about you, Haim. I, I am so impressed with you, the things that you have done, and I appreciate your leadership with NAOP and helping us um, really develop a close team.
0: Thank you. I'm looking forward to see where it goes. Okay. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.